And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning. Welcome to Financial Fitness Friday of the Lance Roberts Show. I'm Rich Rosso, CFP, here with Danny Ratliff, CFP. CFP squared. So happy to uh, see you. We were not here last week, but uh, we are today live. Was it just last week? Feels like they're all blending together. They are all the same. (laughs) They are all the same. Listen, so a couple of things. Um, Obviously, we've been waiting for the oversold bounce. But, you know, people on the YouTube channel, people listen to the show, you're all pretty seasoned investors, so I'm not doing this for your benefit. But I would hope that you can share this with people who are nervous about the market. Because what we do in portfolios is we benchmark to a high point. Right, Danny? Don't we always benchmark to the high point? I'd like to anchor. Right? Your portfolio is a boat on the water. It's not the foundation of where a house sits. If you want that kind of a benchmarking, then what should you be in, Danny? You should be in what? Fixed indexed annuities, right? They'll hit the high point. You won't lose any money, right? Zero floor, which means that uh, if, say, the S&P is negative this year, you won't be. You'll get a portion of the market returns and you'll sleep better at night. But let's do it in a song. Last year, as Danny and I talked about, the market was smooth sailing. Picture yourself in a boat on a river with tangerine dreams and marmalade skies. That was last year. This year, the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. You are the captain of the boat. You cannot look at the portfolio from the high point. Smooth sailing, rough waters. You navigate those waters. If you can't do those things, you don't invest in stocks. Right, Governor? Are you going to see Downton Abbey this weekend, Brent? (laughs) I'm full of voices today, and they're all the same. (laughs) Brent's not going to go see Downton Abbey this weekend. Neither am I, but... Sybil Rosso. <laughs> well, but I do, I do think it's But to think about it, me. I mean, you have to look at your portfolio as navigating through a waterway or through rough waters, clean waters. And when it's clear and the sun's out and all that, that's the time you sit back and look at your emergency plan, right? You enjoy what's going on, but say, hey, what if I run into a patch of rough water? Well, how do I prepare now overall? And once I'm in the storm, I really don't know what kind of storm I'm in, right, Danny? I don't really know. Maybe I have to do a little bit more than I thought to get through it. But I can't, I don't exit the water. It's like, you know, I'm not looking for a helicopter to come and grab me because I am the captain of the ship. So if you don't want to be a captain of the stock market ship, then you don't own stocks. You don't own variable assets. 
there's nothing wrong with that. There are some people that I talk to that they're not equipped to own stocks and they're very happy not to, but they will try to get a taste of stocks to fixed index annuities or permanent life insurance or other things. There's nothing wrong with thinking that maybe I shouldn't own variable assets if it doesn't fit into your mode of um, how you invest. Stocks markets don't always go up. And this period that we're going to go through here feels like a bear market to me, even though I can't officially say it. Yeah, we're, we're pretty close. But I, I think that you know everybody has to understand exactly you know where they are. What are you benchmarking towards? Are you looking right. at your plan? Do you mm -hmm. have a hurdle rate? Have you accounted for these different types of environments? And that's the bigger part, I think, of, of this conversation, Rich. Yeah. And, and look, I get it. It is nerve-wracking. It's your life Are you going to sing it, Danny? What song is? No, I'm song? not singing. I can assure you that. Shoot, my voice is gone. I barely talk. So um, I lost my voice yesterday. Yeah, it's it's been. Yeah. Uh, anyways, but so, I can still do my accent if you'd like, Governor. Uh, it's, it's so unfortunate, isn't it, Brent? <laughs> I but, only had four hours sleep. Everybody, be prepared. We might be off the air after this. <laughs> Oh man. Go ahead. But but I think that it's it's important to remember. And look, we we understand too that this is your life savings. It's your security. It's mm -hmm. you know what what you should be planning and should have planned for, hopefully. Yes. And and understand exactly what these different market environments can do to your overall financial plan and how that works. You know, drawdowns are part of the market. And you know, we always talk about what what is the price of entry, Rich? If we're going to invest in the market, mm -hmm. it's a 10%. You need to be prepared for that at any given time, a 10% drawdown. And especially now with the Fed no longer on your side to come and bail mm -hmm. you out, right? It's almost like the Fed was there in that helicopter when you had a rough sea and would take you off the boat. Well, no, not anymore. Yeah. Right? Well, I wish I had a, I do have a song for Powell, but I really can't sing it on the air. <clears throat> well, look, a lot I mean, of, there are a lot of four-letter words in it. But I'm going to say that to your point, right, exactly. Um, you know, yesterday... And sometimes you have to think about the, some of the good things you've done when the seas were calm. Like I spoke to someone yesterday and I said, remember last year you were hesitant to take profits. You didn't want to do that. You didn't want to rebalance. Mm -hmm. you, were, you, know, you were regretting the taxes. And he goes, you know, we should have done more. Well, I'm like, well, that's the point I'm trying to make is you did what you were supposed to do. It's a win-win. Now you're, now you're falling into something called hindsight bias where you thought you knew what was going to happen, and you don't. You had no idea what was going to happen. Neither do we. This is why people now also ex are extrapolating. They're going into the future, and they're saying, well, this bear cycle, it's going to last forever. It's not. And bear markets don't last as long as bull markets. And frankly, when we talk on our investment meetings, we're not only talking about how to manage the losses, because if you're in the market, you're going to bleed. You don't want to hemorrhage to death. And to Danny's point, very important. What are you benchmarking to? Some nebulous green and red on your screen? What, what are you actually benchmarking you, how you think you're doing to? And most people are doing it based on the high watermark of their portfolio, before and that's the wrong way to look at it it's on an ocean it's going to move up and down and how it moves in may or june may not be at all how it moves in november and december so you can't extrapolate out what's going to happen 
people have been asking, Danny, uh, well, you all have been expecting this oversold bounce and we haven't gotten it. And that's true. Or at least if we have, they haven't lasted. But every bear market we've ever seen in history, unless it's different this time. And frankly, I talked to someone yesterday. I said, you know, they go, isn't this really different with the inflation and all? I'm like, no, I don't see anything different in this cycle that I saw. And every cycle's got a nuance. But a bear is a bear, man. Bear doesn't look any different. Are any bear songs? What's the Yogi Bear song? Hey, boo-boo. How about a picnic basket? Full of stocks. I don't want it anymore. I'll take an annuity. <laughs> All right. That was terrible. 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 I won't do that to you again in the Thank next you. segment. <laughs> hey, we get back. We got to talk to you about some health care costs and retirement. IRS destroying data, all kinds of cool stuff when we get back here on Financial Fitness Friday. We will be right back. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Some people don't know about bonds. I am told this is a bond. I've never seen a bond before. I never owned a bond in my portfolio. It is terrifying. Get to know bonds in our next free Lunch and Learn. Thursday, June 2nd with Richard Rosso, Danny Ratliff, and special guest Lance Roberts. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. The thing about bonds with Ratliff, Rosso, and Roberts. realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. thinking about yesterday is why in heck does Elon Musk want Twitter? It's a smelly dead fish. Like it, like what, I mean, what's the point of owning it? Do you, I mean, I think in five years that thing is gone. That's how I think about it. And then when you see all the, the whistleblowers and everything that's going on there, listen, let that, let that ship sink. I mean, it is a turd. Flush it. What, what do you think, Danny? I mean, like, I think you think it's just like his make him making an ex, trying to make an example of like free speech is dying and I'm going to do this. But, you know, from a business perspective, with all the other stuff he's got going on, and I know he'll find people to run Twitter and then maybe bring it public again if he gets it. But, you know, I just was thinking about it. You know, it, it's probably mostly bots. Who wants that thing? Why would I buy it? You think he's bored? I mean, what's going what I, I mean, yeah. Is it that like I'm a billionaire and I need something to do? I mean, I love his tweets. Don't get me wrong. But I just, from a business perspective, like why bother? Let that sip. That's the ship that's, or, you know, I almost we, said the other S word because that's what it is. But is he exposing, you know, what they really are with all the bots? And well, all I think on well? that, yeah, to your point, that's positive. But why would I want to commit capital? Yeah. I can't wait for them to come out to see how many bots. Like the president, like uh, Biden has, what, half of his followers a bot, yeah, right? 50%. And those bots have more brains than he does. So, I mean, how many bots do we got? But um, so here's a fun thing. E so uh, Musk comes out and goes, ESG is a scam. Who said it first? Lance Roberts. Lance Roberts. 
before the billionaire Elon Musk. Elon's got a f just a few zeros on Lance, not many. Um, Lance said it first. So guess what's come out, Danny? All these ESG investors. Yeah, but guess what else has come out? What's that? In this free market. The constrained capital ESG orphans ETF. It's a new anti-ESG fund. It's the anti-woke fund. Yeah, yeah O-R-F-N. Yeah. Access to equities that fall outside of the traditional ESG standards. The fund is built out of names that are considered to be more controversial in nature. Oil and gas, tobacco, gambling, alcohol, firearms, and more. All those things Lance was talking about yesterday that, you know, back in the 2000s, nobody wanted. Yeah. And, and then they did really, really well. And people were like, well, maybe it's not so bad. I don't know. I can live with it. And I also sort of like this anti-ESG you know. kind of thing. Yeah. It's making me feel better. Well, you know what? I mean, yeah. look, there's going to be a, a side to every coin. And so just like the ESG strategy, you're going to have somebody who's going to say, you know what? Let's go the opposite way. And that's the, that's is the neat thing about free markets. People can choose what, where they want to invest, what they want to do, and what matters to them. But It's like, the misleading part I don't like. Well, it like, is. Like, in other words, if it was really if it was really ESG, and some of the best asset allocators, William Bernstein has, has talked out against this. Um, it's very imp it's impossible to find the proper ESG, and I understand you want to feel good, but you really need to do your homework and realize you're paying more money for something that Wall Street created and is making bukus of money as a marketing scheme, and right. you're the idiot. So you're trying to do the right thing as an investor, but you're not digging into it. And neither are your custodians or your brokers because, you know, ESG is so popular with brokers and advisors, and I'm sure they're not looking at what's in it. They just say, it just says ESG. So it's nice to see some of this farce exposed. And maybe someday, Danny, we get real, really, like real ESG funds that do what people want them to do at a reasonable price. So maybe that's how it, you know, how it comes to be. And like you said, the free market will look at it. I just don't like people being duped and Wall Street always does it. Listen, it's the same thing with Bitcoin, right? Anti-Wall Street. Yeah, it's going to be this hedge. It's going to be this. And then Wall Street picks it up and it's just another risk asset, you know? And that, that sort of bothers me that smaller investors, novices, get preyed upon. We try to dig into the data, look at it for what it is and expose it. And it's nice to see that Elon Musk is uh, doing the same. But it's going to be interesting, this Twitter saga, and see where it finally goes and see how many bots are really out there. There are a lot of trolls, but I don't know how many bots. It is. But you know, you, you bring up a good point. I think right now is an environment where we've seen and and Really, Wall Street is always looking for other ways to package products and say, hey, look at this. It's shiny. It's new. It's great. Um, this is the best research. And, you know, sometimes we get so far you know, ahead of ourselves that we mm -hmm. begin to believe it. And, you know, right now I am hearing from people. We, we Obviously, we're talking to a lot of different people right mm -hmm. now. But I'm finding that some people are, are interested in finding other ways to make money. And sometimes it sounds too good to be true in many instances. Yes. Which is beginning to scare me a little bit, Rich, in the sense that, People are saying, hey, you know what? Traditional stocks I'm not as comfortable with. I'm not as comfortable with the traditional bonds as I was. But, you know, some of these things I'm hearing about, I'm not comfortable even hearing about. I'm like, hey, man, I don't think that's, you know, sounds too good to be true. Probably is. 
yeah, yeah, but my cousin's doing it and they're doing well. I'm like, well, maybe right now that's not always it's, going to be the case. But isn't that funny how you fall if you go out of this frying pan into this fire, back into this frying pan, into this fire, and then you're a crisp. It, yeah. You know what? It's really, it's crazy to see how people do that. Um, I, I don't know. It's, here's one of the positives of bear markets and the liquidity draining out of the system. You really get to see who the fakes are. Yeah. You really get to see what's going on. I, I think that cleansing process is so important. And as Lance has talked about for years with business cycles, we do not allow a cleansing of the system at all. And we, we try to prevent it. And now the Fed can't. I don't even think they could do it on the fiscal side, but the Fed absolutely cannot do it. So we're really going to see a cleansing that in the long term, if you navigate it correctly, will be one, it'll make the systems more transparent, right? It's like a detox. doesn't feel good when you're going through it, right? It will open up new opportunities or opportunities and things you've wanted to own for a long time. How, how much do we always say we're going through the rubble right now of investments, Danny, to find, hey, there could be opportunities in some of the retailers, consumer discretionary, technology. Technology's not going away, anybody. It's not. Oh, I'm it's extremely optimistic right now. I mean, I think there's a lot of opportunities out there. It's just waiting for the right time to, to buy it's them. It's a little so, early, but I think it's yeah. early. But to your point, this is the kind of thing that you got to look at as an investor, especially if you've built up cash. And we're, what is our cash now, like 30%? Yeah, we're, you know, give or take. We've got gold. Uh, and bonds are finally doing what they're supposed to do, right? Because the bond market finally is getting the gist of, wait a minute, things are really slowing down you know lance was and mike are a little early on this but i believe them yields will go down money will come to the united states even though we look like a train wreck to each other to the world we are still the cleanest dirty shirt i i had, I had a couple of clients really laughing yesterday i said listen i hate to be crass with this but that's me right if this is a toilet bowl everybody's in the water we're on the rim right we're still the best of the best. Look at the dollar, right? Money will come into treasuries. Yields will fall if indeed we're going into contraction. And it does look like we are. And I had explained to yesterday a client, Danny, who really didn't get it. By the time you're actually in losing, well, you are losing jobs and you're actually stated that it's a recession, the market will be going up and you'll be shaking your head like, I don't understand. And you won't, it won't, you'll think it makes no sense whatsoever. But think about this. I mean, even before rates were rising, mm -hmm. you know, that the Fed actually you know, pulled a lever here, we already saw rates increasing. Mm -hmm. And we historically see that. And then once they've actually hiked the rates, they bounce around for a bit, they drop. And so that's the interesting thing. A lot of times, you know, we want to look at all these. You know, we think that you know, finding out we're in a recession is a leading indicator. Well, that's that's way behind because we're it's finding out so about stale. something that we were already that was yes. already there. It already occurred, and that's the one thing that we have to, to keep in in context when we're thinking about all the information that comes out. It's easy to act emotional and say, "Oh my goodness, this is terrible," but that information is is what's already been done, and I think that's one important thing to remember. Right, and and you don't want to see people lose their jobs. No, heck but no. Pe but you are going to see companies lay people off. We already know that margins are being pressed in retailers. They're going to keep the people they have, but maybe they're not going to hire, right? Why are we going to hire any more people? We'll put more money into tech. Um, this is what's going to happen.
It ha- and now the Fed is away from the cycle, and frankly, a lot of investors have never seen a cycle or recessionary cycle. They think markets only go up and the Fed's there to bail them out of the ship. It's not that way anymore. You know, Gene Hackman is now coming to guide you out of the top of the Poseidon. God, that's a great movie, Poseidon Adventure. It's not going to happen. So the thing is, if you're in your portfolio or you're in the markets right now, one rule, the first rule, Danny brought it up, what do you benchmark to? It's not your high point. It's a goal, the goal you have for that money. We have our benchmark rates or people like yesterday, I talked to someone, I said, Rich, you know, we're coming in at around averaging around five, four and a half, five percent. And you, you know, the plan rate that we need to get is two and a half to 2.8. I'm like, yeah, you're above the hurdle rate and you're not taking the same risk as the market. So f- some people that are focusing on, I can still hit my goals even through this storm. Like I am going to make it through this water to the other side. I'm going to get there. That's what a good plan or a navigation tool does. It helps you focus on what you should be to get through it as opposed to getting all emotional uh, on the ship and you look like the crazy captain like sometimes when Kirk loses it when he licks a tribble or something or dates some green chick, right? He's losing his mind. I don't even know how he's considered a good captain. The guy's all over the place. He's crazy, Kirk. Spokon! You know, it's like you're running, you're made, you're the genius of the starship. You're a mess. Spock should be the captain. Not you. Crazy man. All right, we get back. Oh, we still got a lot of stuff to talk about here. Financial Fitness Friday. We're so glad you're with us. Be right back. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com some people don't know about bonds i am told this is a bond i've never seen a bond before i never owned a bond in my portfolio it is terrifying get to know bonds in our next free lunch and learn thursday june 2nd with richard rosso danny ratliff and special guest lance roberts register now at realinvestmentadvice.com the thing about bonds with ratliff rosso and roberts realinvestmentadvice.com you're listening to the real investment show Always here to give you money tips. I have found the cheapest place to get gas. Where Taco might Bell. Be? Where? Taco Bell. <laughs> Dad joke alert. Uh, does your plate? Th- I don't even know if Brent. How much gas do you think Brent uses in his? Oh, I filled it up yesterday. Three dollars. Thirty-six bucks. Three, what? Got to run high test. Oh, you do. That's right. You do that. Yeah. That hurts. And it's uh, it's maybe a 10-gallon tank. I wasn't completely empty. Oof. 
36 bucks for three quarters of a tank. Wow, you actually did. Oh, three quarters. Okay. I was yeah. going to say, you yeah. found some pretty it's cheap about, gas. It's about seven and a half gallons. I'm not going to tell you what I spent yesterday. I'm still getting like uh, 30 miles a gallon. Come on, thing, Danny. Though. Tell us. 108? Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah. Well, did you see some stations are actually looking to reprogram? Yeah. To, yeah. to, to add take a digit. Yeah, to add a digit. Yeah. Now, this was actually like, you know, on E. Oh, by the way, honey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fumes. You're going to need to go to the gas station today. Yeah. My wife uh, likes to uh, do that, too. And then, and then he barely made it to the gas station. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I may push a little ways. Was it, okay. Wasn't it Volkswagen that had the reserve tank on him back in the day? I don't know. I don't even remember that. You could flip a little lever and you had an extra gallon or something in there. Well, because that was a lawnmower engine, wasn't it? Yes, it was. But I can assure you that most people would just, that'd be common. You just flip it anyways. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no worries. You get another 30 miles. Listen, I have a solution for you guys. I'm Mike Pete. What's his name? Boudicca. I got a bicycles. We just take bikes everywhere we go. Get on I-10 on a bike. That'll be fun in (laughs) August. (laughs) Yeah, and I'll see you tomorrow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Would I... You won't even make it with I ten on a bike. Oh tomorrow. no no no! Yeah, you'll you'll be uh, you'll so you'll be so far into the asphalt that won't even find you. You'll you'll be one marked by one of those all white bicycle <laughs> statues that they put on the side of the road at fatal sites. Is that what they're doing now? Yeah, have you seen those? I things? have not. Yeah, they've I don't been get out doing much. that for a while. When someone gets hit, they have a white bicycle. Yeah, and and they put flowers on it, mm-hmm. and, and then in our neighborhood, it got stolen. <laughs> We stole the white bicycle. Good grief. Somebody got ran over your neighborhood? Yeah, like, well, on Luetta, like, oh, yeah. you know, where the drag. hood is. Yeah, yeah they okay. were, somebody got, yeah, I don't know. It's terrible. I would like to take bike everywhere, but I can't do it. All right, so when we do financial plans, healthcare costs are always an important element. Not only do we look at, okay, Medicare or bridge insurance up to Medicare, we also look at out-of-pocket costs, for people that, um, you know, 85 plus, some additional expenses that Medicare or Medigap's not going to cover. So um, keep in mind, uh, there are a lot of studies that always give you, well, hey, how much, how much are you going to pay in healthcare costs? So Fidelity does one of the more popular ones. And uh, the average 65-year-old couple retiring in 2022 can expect to spend $315,000 in retirement in healthcare alone. Now, that's a 5% increase from 2021. So, Danny, what's, what I, I didn't like this report. I don't like 5%. But where you, we use in our plans, uh, we estimated about 5.3. So we're, we're pretty close to this estimate. So this includes your Medicare Part A, your Part B coverage, doctor's appointments, right, that are covered, Part D. Um, and, you know, uh, let's just, ooh, couples retiring this year. Anticipate spending just 41000 on medical expenses in retirement, according to Fidelity's research. Well, I think that's what most people have saved. Right. So when survey participants heard Fidelity's estimate was three fifteen, seventy 70% said, oh, I don't think I'm ready for that. <laughs> it's so important, right? Because imagine, I don't, you know, this is if you're healthy. What if you have, you know, if you don't get the health wealth connect, and you have an unhealthy retirement, and how much are you going to spend out of pocket then? So well, I think people hear these big numbers and they think, wow, I don't even have that much money saved. You know, so the average, you know, like, like you mentioned earlier, probably not a lot of people that are tuned in right now, but for most people, 
that's an enormous amount. Mm-hmm. And, and you do have to go back and kind of extrapolate, okay, what does my income look like? What are my overall expenses Yeah, it's not like, like a lump sum. They lump sum it to sort of shock you. But remember, it you're paying these it's over big, time. It's a big, yeah. yeah. It just, and know. that's a 65-year-old couple now. How, how long did they anticipate they lived till? 67. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think they look at like 90 or something like that in the plan. Okay. 95. So now um, Danny will be happy to know because he's got this weird health savings account fetish. Uh, people with HSAs felt more confident, Fidelity found. Um, almost half of those account holders said they felt ready compared with 27% of the respondents who do not have an HSA because they understand the health care bills that could happen in retirement and that the HSA is a great account to save for that. Uh, we can't put as much as you'd like in there. It would be nice if we would raise those limits dramatically. But, you know, we, we prioritize that even for younger people to say, hey, put the money in. Your company is probably going to match your contributions in an HSA and then don't touch the money. It's a savings account, not a spending account. Right? Do not treat it like a revolving door of money with a checkbook. Try to keep it and let it grow over time. So you just have to make sure in your financial plan that you are planning accordingly. And Danny, what I don't know, and I was talking to Craig yesterday's senior planner, that next year it's going to be interesting to see the inflation trends going forward the general rate of inflation and inflation that we look at per goal. Because there are a lot of people who postpone tests because of COVID, people who have long COVID. Uh, the, and again, read another great study about the um, mental health, physical health issues that people are going to have just from the crazy lockdowns we did that didn't do any good, right? So the repercussions of some of the things we did during the pandemic are going to bleed over for years. And my fear, Danny, is I'm going to have to look to increase the um, inflation rate on healthcare expenses going forward. But I just don't have enough data yet to do it. Well, that makes sense. I mean, we're already seeing everything else bleed over. Obviously, the inflationary aspect from fiscal and monetary policy that was just way too easy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all the other, you know, dynamics of shutting people in, supply mm-hmm. chain disruptions. And, you know, we could go on and on. But you're, you're <laughs> right. And, and last year, for instance, you know, Medicare went up over 14% your premiums. That's right. I mean, that was a huge jump for Part B, 148 to 170. That's pretty significant. Mm-hmm. And so we're seeing a lot of that already, you know, within that inflation, you know, well above what we would anticipate on a regular basis. Now, this was a little bit of a one-off scenario because there's a new Alzheimer's drug they began to cover, which was extremely expensive. So we could expect that maybe we don't see that that continued inflation that Let's high. Let's hope not. I mean, I it's think not they, sustainable. they did something to handle the drug where they lowered the cost. There was something that, so we don't see that kind of a hike again. But you got this great cost of living adjustment, and we're going to talk a little bit about that in the next segment. And you're probably going to have a good one next year if you're in so, with Social Security. So really great cost of living adjustments. But how good is it if your Medicare premium is eating up a good percentage of it? Yeah, that's absolutely right. And that's the problem that people are beginning to see that, wow, okay, so we got over 8%. Um, we're seeing this inflation that seems to be stickier than what was anticipated. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Social Security is fantastic in that aspect that you do get that bump. Most pensions aren't going to receive that. 
But when we look at, you know, how much everything else is going up, we're still lagging behind. We are. And it's really, it's sad to hear, especially when we talk to, because we have, a, we have quite a few um, older, much older clients who are very active, uh, but they are micro-budgeting. And I'm working right now, I just finished an Inflation Nation presentation that I hope that we'll be presenting to you in a Lunch and Learn or a Candid Coffee over the summer. Some of the um, tips on how to battle inflation are from our very own clients who have done a really good job cutting expenses or at least monitoring them much closer than they have in the past. Because I do believe inflation is here to stay for a bit. Now, uh, our estimate is that C- CPI falls to roughly about 5.5% by the end of the year, um, but wages still will not keep up. And if companies are having tough times with profit margins, small businesses, they're just not going to be able to give you the raises that they have in the past. So it's, it, again, the, the economic distress, I think consumer confidence, Danny, what? It came out at the lowest level in what, 11 years? Yeah, I mean, a co- confidence across the board. You look at uh, NFIB, National Federation mm-hmm. of Independent Businesses, small businesses are feeling it, consumers are feeling it. Um, and, and it doesn't look like there's much end in sight at the moment, especially if, you know, we're going to continue to see these rate hikes. You would think that data over the last week or so would maybe soften that a bit. Um, but shoot, we just had something to come across the, the screen in front of us that Kramer's suggesting that Powell could do a hundred basis point hike. Uh, you know, he's got the freedom to do so. And I, I think that may be, I don't know what that. Uh, I think Kramer, I think Kramer now says things just to say things. I mean, he's always done that. Yeah, but but it's, I think he's just the bombastic. Really, he's he's gotten more of that. He used to be like twenty percent shock and awe, and he's gone to ninety. Well, you get so, more clicks, which pay more money. Yeah, in his bots. And I'll give you another one. If you think Susie Orman's got some discount dental plan that I see advertised, I've got a bridge to sell you. <laughs> a dental bridge. Padumch. <laughs> We'll be right back. Financial Fitness Friday. Daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Some people don't know about bonds. I am told this is a bond. I've never seen a bond before. I never owned a bond in my portfolio. It is terrifying. Get to know bonds in our next free Lunch and Learn. Thursday, June 2nd with Richard Rosso, Danny Ratliff, and special guest Lance Roberts. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. The thing about bonds with Ratliff, Rosso, and Roberts. realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. And welcome back. 
So it's estimated that uh, we might see a pretty decent cost of living adjustment for Social Security recipients next year. What, about 8.6%? I think the Senior Citizens League has estimated. Could change, obviously. We don't have enough data yet, but it looks like next year will be another increase. It's a pretty healthy boost, especially, you know, considering what's going on. But those numbers won't come out until, what, October? Yeah, October, November. So um, <clears throat> it's important when you get your when you when you look at and hopefully everybody does this to go to SSA.gov and sign in and check your your statements, see where you are. Look what your primary insurance amount is. Look at it is by age. Right. If you retire before uh, 67 uh, 66 plus months or 70 years old in the delayed income credit. Um, it's really important, crucially important, to make sure if we're going into, and I read an article in the Wall Street Journal that said that this next decade for stocks <clears throat> could be pretty poor. Again, we adjusted these asset class returns in 2019, so I'm always a couple of years early and I look stupid when I do this. But now what we're hearing a lot of, especially for people in distribution portfolios, is sequence of return risk, where I get lower returns over time, and then I'm still taking a distribution, but my money is deteriorating a lot faster than, it, than I would feel comfortable with, right? <clears throat> and your distribution rate, and the survivability of your portfolio over the first five to 10 years of retirement will dictate the next 10 and the next 10. This is where guaranteed income can shoulder the burden of your income need, allowing the portfolio to heal. It's almost like there are going to be times when your portfolio is sprinting and you could take money out and the sprinter still goes and there's sometimes, well, there's a busted ankle. And that portfolio is just hobbling along. And so if I make the smart decision with Social Security and possibly need a guaranteed income or create my own pension, one, I can let that portfolio sit for longer periods. I can reduce my withdrawal rate. Perhaps I could even be more aggressive when the time comes because I don't really need the money as much as I would like the money. So if I manage my budget correctly, maybe I could take my withdrawal rate down. And I read another article yesterday, Danny, about, oh, the 4% withdrawal rate for portfolios. Mm, That's in jeopardy again. Who wants to live like this in retirement when I have no idea how much money I could take? And I can't go mindless into this 4% rule. Taking a fixed rate of return from a variable asset is like what Nana Rasa would say. You're mixing an oil and a water again. It doesn't work. You have to be nimble and be willing to adjust your portfolio distribution rate. So guaranteed income and taking Social Security properly, right, Danny? Very important decisions. Well, well it is, especially when you can figure out what, it, what exactly are your non-discretionary expenses, what do you need to keep that roof over your head, family fed, um, you know, all the things that are really important. And that can create that base for that. And so if we can create that foundation and then let those variable assets, you know, they're going to, they're going to ebb and flow. We're going to see that volatility. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
There's going to be times you're going to be able to take more than that 4%. There's going to be times you're going to be able to take less. But overall, you need to be extremely nimble and understand. And, you know, Rich, historically, people are really good at this. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when we get in bad times, I, you know, we're getting more calls saying, hey, you know what? We're not traveling as much or we don't mm-hmm. feel so good about this. Mm-hmm. So we have people who are actually decreasing their distribution saying, yeah, maybe, maybe not the case. Now, this right now is a little bit different than, say, 2020 because we have a lot more inflation pressure. So right. everything else is going up. So now, you know, we haven't had a bunch of calls saying, hey, I need to go ahead and take more. But at some point, I, I could envision that happening. So think about this. If I have, if I'm covering a lot of my expenses or a decent amount, say my fixed expenses, some of my wants with guaranteed income, my spending probably, I don't have to cut anything. Because if I'm getting 3000 or $4,000 a month, <clears throat> and it's not from a variable asset account that I have to worry about the portfolio value. I'm going to spend it because I know next month I'm going to get another check. And David Blanchett, really one of the best planners out there, used to be at Morningstar. Can't remember where he is now. He's, he's made a move. But <clears throat> talked about how people with guaranteed income tend to spend more in retirement. Emotionally, logically, it makes sense. I know that money is going to hit my account again next month. So if I manage to spend it all, I'll be okay. But if I'm taking withdrawals, I might say, hmm, you know, the market was rough this last couple of months. I'm going to hold off on this expense. I have one client yesterday that said, we're not going to take our vacation in July. I said, listen, you can take it. Don't blow your vacation. Go have fun. You can do it. But Danny, how many people are making those kinds of decisions or at least looking to? And then I go back to the plan and say, remember what your hurdle rate was. You're above your hurdle rate. Your plan looks fine. Take your darn vacation and feel good about it. But yep. who wants to go through that? But I think, I think that's an important part of the, the overall, you know, what you need mm-hmm. to do when you're looking at this, right? I mean, we need to make sure that we're understanding how we're budgeting. I know that's a four-letter word, but this is a big part where we bring this back. And we are beginning to see, I mean, we're, we are seeing more people coming back to that in this environment. And look, CFO, CEO sentiment has actually indicated that. We talked about this last week or week before. Procter & Gamble CFO comes out and says people are beginning to shop the generic brands. They're starting to understand where they're spending money, and they're trying to save it any way that they can. And so I think that that'll be a trend that continues. And the interesting thing is once you know you, you form those habits, it typically takes a much longer time to get back to – to, to normal or where we were. And so you could see this come, this mm-hmm. could change things or the dynamic quite a bit. What do you think about that? Yeah. Watch your withdrawal rate. I did that for Lance's benefit. Because with, without drawer, you may have no panties. Or at least a place to store them anyway. Um... It is an ongoing management of that portfolio distribution. It is what it is. But we've been told, just mindlessly take 4% and everything will just be fine. La, 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 la. And it's not. Who came up with that rule of thumb? Well, Bill Bengen did in the 90s. It sort of worked. Matter of fact, in the 90s, clients were, the withdrawal rate rate was 8 to 9%. And I was like, you know, we're not going to do that. We're going to do 5%. What? Well, because eventually you're going to go into a bear market. A bear market? What's that? Well, 
you may have to take less in the future. You're talking 5% what? Withdrawal rate. Okay. Mm -hmm. At least 5% withdrawal rate. But, you know, you do hear people who do talk about that, and it is... um, you know, that, that's one of the things where, you know, you hear people that have to take that. What happens to them? I mean, what happens well, if then you they just could, don't have... So think about this. You run the plan. Mm-hmm. There's longevity risk. The plan is going to show you're going to run out of money. Scary thought. What do you do? Well, hopefully, if I've taken Social Security correctly, at least I know I've got that money coming in. But maybe I need an annuity to, for my withdrawal rate, Lance? Um, <laughs> maybe I need some form of guaranteed income structure to wrap around that process. People don't want to hear the word annuity. They don't. But guess what? Annuity is guaranteed income for life. Some people will require a check for life because they could run out of portfolio. I had to work with a client the other day. We, I gave it the one-two punch. Reverse mortgage, deferred income annuity to make sure she has enough income to live nicely and she doesn't have to go back to work. We have no shortage of ours in recession either. Recession. We got no... I'm going to start talking like, what's his name? Scooby-Doo. Recession. I got Brent going this morning. Oh, you know, Brent, he did warn us yesterday. I told you it was going to be a weird show. So look at Lance. Give me the two thumbs up, the two yellow thumbs. You too, buddy. I love you. EC, his translator's broken. I'm sorry. We're we're working on it. (laughs) But again, it's a serious, it's a serious subject when it comes to spending down your portfolio, and the emotional anguish you're going to go through through rough markets. I mean, that's where you do have to look at how long is the money going to last and put aside all your biases about guaranteed income if you need it. A plan is going to show you whether or not you need it. You know what? I just can't stand two sides of this coin. One, Danny, is people that talk about like Susie Orman and Ken Fisher. We hate insurance. Life insurance, we don't like annuities, right? That, well, that's wrong. And then you got the other side of people who just sell these products without planning first. Well, I, I, and then I was people literally don't need them. listening to something the other day. I was listening to another financial show. And a guy was like, hey, yeah, you could put everything in it. It'd be great. Put it all in an annuity. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. So, guys, listen. Don't it's, do that. It's really important to take that inventory of assets, understand where things are, understand how, what they all, what's the impact to you, and what happens if they go down. And so where do you pull income from? What do your distributions look like? What is your strategy? And so make sure you understand that. Make sure you get a financial mm-hmm. plan. Go to realinvestmentadvice.com. If you're not signed up for Lance's newsletter, uh, it's realinvestmentadvice.com. And the thing about bonds coming up. That's right. June 2nd. And we may talk about what? Rons. What kind of rates? rates. Perfect. Thank you. We love you. See you next week. Always Sunday.
Sewage Man's World.